The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Okay, everyone, just want to give you a heads up. We're going to have a, a little bit of an adult conversation here. So if you've just picked up the kids from school, consider yourself warned. Okay. Uh, a new Ipsos poll found a good number of you aren't too happy with your love or sex life. The poll was conducted for Global News and found 41% of men and women thought their love or sex life was bad. So why isn't what can be done about it? We're joined this afternoon by registered nurse, nurse, sexual health educator and host of the Sunday Night Sex Show uh, on uh, stations across the course network, including 630 Ched, Maureen McGrath. Hi, Maureen. Hi, how are you? I am good. Were you surprised by this number? Not really, since I have a clinical practice where I <laughs> <laughs> see couples who are living in the cold white north. Mm. Okay, so what's going on? Well, I think the internet is playing a huge role, uh, not to mention the chronic busyness, the mm. rise in infidelity because of more uh, uh, opportunity, actually, and the free access to porn all play a role in the dissatisfaction of Canadians' sex lives. So the poll also found that Canadians between the ages of 18 and 34 were more satisfied with their love and sex lives at 68%. Canadians 55 plus were the least satisfied at 47%. And I actually thought the numbers might be the other way around. You know, I did as well, but when you dive a little deeper into it, uh, the younger people, they're starting out their sex lives. It's the beginning of a relationship, potentially. Um, They have an optimistic outlook on life. Uh, They're in better physical condition. Um, So they may actually not have experienced the boredom in the bedroom, which often occurs uh, to people in long-term relationships. So it does make sense that they would be a bit more satisfied. Do you think that we should start looking at uh, sexual health just as health overall, as a part of our health overall? It seems to me a lot of us, we we pocket these things all up. We we, we make little compartments for them all. And um, and, and I wonder if we would do better if we we take a a look at it uh, as a whole. I sure do. And that's, in fact, what I do when I do speaking engagements or in my clinical practice. It is totally related to health. For example, erectile dysfunction mm. is the canary in the coal mine. It can underscore or or signify uh, cardiovascular disease, hypertension, diabetes type 2. It's often associated with obesity, a sedentary lifestyle. Uh, so that's one example. Also, women uh, during pregnancy, postpartum, perimenopause, mm. menopause may experience vaginal dryness. That can lead to painful sex, and it can effectively shut a sex life right down. And it's hard to talk about, isn't it, Maureen? It is, because it's still taboo, and we have a double standard when it comes to sex, because women are often shamed for their sexuality, and men are revered for their sexual prowess. So how do we have those conversations? How do we, how do we start talking about it more? It, approaching it, if it's, a, if it's a tricky conversation, if you're not comfortable doing it, if you know that there is an issue in your, your marriage, your relationship? Well... I do think couples need to talk and talk a lot about mm-hmm. sex. Your your sex life will only be as good as your honesty and vulnerability with one another. And great sex starts with communication, connection, and listening. But before that, I think we actually need to bring this a little bit more into the healthcare system. Right now, sexual health education sits with the schools, mm-hmm. and, and it remains quite taboo, and it's ruled by government. When, you know, you make a great point, it is related to health. 
Maureen McGrath joining us this afternoon. Talk about, uh, you know, we take a look at our home, our, our, our kids, our work, that sort of thing. We we often let that take over our, our worlds and then we just get too tired. We just get, we're too stressed and we just, we say, oh, well, you know, maybe tomorrow night, maybe tomorrow night. Next thing you know, it's next week or next month. How do we stop that from happening? Well, self-care is, is huge. Uh, today we are living in a chronically busy world. We're connected to the internet and disconnected from our lovers and this is where education comes in a lot of people believe that sexual desire comes first and that's not often the case fatigue is the number one reason for low sexual desire but what actually works for people is responsive desire and that's understanding the sexual response cycles of men and women so if you're too tired you don't feel like doing it but you're in a loving and mutual relationship and you accept your partner's advances and you enjoy it we call that responsive desire Mm. so taking a page out of nike's book just do it (laughs) might work <laughs> Give yourself a few minutes. <laughs> Let yourself get warmed up a little bit. Um, some people have talked about scheduling, um, scheduling those. Um, uh, the, the, well, scheduling the dates, scheduling sex. Does that does that work? It sure does. You know. When you think about it, even when you were dating, you were probably scheduling sex, thinking about when you're going to see that person, mm. what you're going to wear, where you're going to be. Um, so we all have a desire for spontaneity, but it doesn't work all the time, especially when family schedules are busy and kids add a certain unromantic factor uh, to the calendar. But uh, <laughs> sex, uh, you know, to schedule sex ensures that it's an important aspect of your life. And, you know, often people will just stop having sex and that disconnects them and it impacts their intimacy and they don't even realize why but it's that chronic busyness so you know making it twice a week perhaps having a date night making sure the kids are out or even if the kids have all grown up it's important to do things together um and remember top it off with a little sex afterwards yeah so start dating again right yes Uh uh-huh that sounds like a good idea how do you balance those different drives Oh, the the desire discrepancy is what is probably the most common complaint that I see in my clinical practice. Mm. Um, I I do want to point out that men can experience low sexual desire as well. That's often uh, tagged for women. But it's not just women who experience low sexual desire. And the reasons are the same. Medications, physical conditions, fatigue, stress, unresolved conflict. You know, having a date night is not going to work if you are physically or mentally unwell or you have financial issues or unresolved conflict. Conflict. So it's really important to get back to those basics and make sure that the relationship is healthy. Um, and again, just understanding that responsive desire will help with desire discrepancy. Uh, there seems to be at times, you know, this talk and you, you sit around with your girlfriends or maybe your guy friends and, you know, you start talking about how much you're doing and whatever. And and sometimes I think we, we, we compare ourselves too much to, to other people in our lives, whatever, I don't know, sitting around with uh, glasses of wine. There seems to be pressure to have the, quote, right amount of sex. Is there a right amount or has it just come down, what's the right amount for you and your partner? It's exactly that. There's no right amount of sex. And again, that goes back to having that conversation, that honest conversation. People people often exaggerate how much sex that they're having. So it doesn't matter how much sex your neighbor is having. It's how much sex, what matters is how much sex you and your partner want to have. And if you're following through on that, um, because that is what matters. Maureen, Um, go, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, it's just 
matters how a person would like to be sexual in their own relationship and of course that warrants conversation. Maureen McGrath joining me this afternoon before I let you go and I appreciate your time I know you're very very busy I always get this question uh, when, when you're when you're on and it's one of those things um, people are wondering okay you know my wife my husband has no interest in sex uh, anymore we haven't had sex in I don't know months years can we find our way back and how do we do that? And I'm guessing you're going to say absolutely. Because <laughs> that's what you do. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, that is what I do. It's not for everyone, but again, it's important to look at the reason the sex has stopped. Is it medical? Is it physical? Is it emotional? Is it financial? Is it an unresolved conflict? Is it abuse in the relationship? Is it a history of sexual abuse or mm. sexual trauma, unwanted sexual advances? Look at the reasons. Is it a physical condition like erectile dysfunction or genitourinary syndrome of menopause? Is it body image? So addressing those images, uh, those issues, and then uh, understanding, that's where the sex education comes in, a lot of people have not received this, understanding about the female and male sexual response cycles and that it's response and desire um, actually works. So when you respond to your uh, to your sexual partner in a healthy relationship versus that desire comes first. Before, desire doesn't necessarily come first. Before I let you go, um, and I'm going to put you on the spot, but it's going to be no problem for you, your top three suggestions so people can turn their sex life that they think is bad into something good. Well, start talking. Um, as I said, it'll only be as good as your honesty and vulnerability. Uh, send signals throughout the day. Flirt with one another. Remind the other person in the relationship that they are important and touch. Touch is critical. And, you know, that may even involve working out together because being healthy and mm. in shape will make, make both of you feel better physically and make you feel more attractive for yourself and to your partner. Maureen McGrath, thank you so much for your time. I always enjoy the conversation. You're very welcome. Thank Take you. Take care. Bye-bye now. Maureen McGrath is a registered nurse, a sexual health educator, the host of the uh, Sunday Night Health Show on 980 CKNW, 630 CHED, 770 CHQR, and 630 CJOB right across the Chorus Network. And again, the reason why we dialed her up and wanted to have this conversation was because of this new poll. And I, I thought the number was a little surprising that said, and it was done uh, during December, and it said that uh, 41% of men and women thought their love or sex life was bad. Take your pick. Love or sex life was bad. Um, and it said that uh, Canadians between the ages of 18 and 34 were the most satisfied with that part of their life at, at 68%. Canadians 55 plus were least satisfied at 47%. And as I said to Maureen, uh, I thought those numbers might be a, a little bit different. Um, but she said, you know, you take a, a deep dive into it. You know, there's other things that come into play. So what she's saying to help to turn things around, talk. And some of your texts coming in this afternoon, uh, you know, this one says sex is more than just, you know, and that uh, grow up and talk to each other. And then this one says, Jay, here's the thing. People model relationships on what they see on TV. And, and, I, and she, she mentioned, you know, she talked about pornography and about the impact and the availability of that and how that is having an impact on relationships and, and, and uh, intimacy. Lots to unbundle there, isn't there? Well, y'all got awfully quiet on the text line, I have to tell you. <laughs> 780-496-0063. Um, 
was wondering if you heard about this story and it it happened uh, out in BC and if you've ever lost or forgotten your 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 cell phone in a in a in a cab or an Uber or a Lyft whatever it is you just like oh my gosh you know uh, how do I get it back? You know, you try to juggle it. And I'm wondering if you've had that experience and what you had to do uh, to get that uh, phone back. Because there's a fellow in BC, and, and I'm not sure I 100% uh, agree with him on this because given the circumstances, well, I'll explain in a little bit. But he was in Vancouver. He's ticked off because he, he forgot his phone on uh, New Year's Eve in a cab. And the cab driver said he would bring it back for a hundred bucks. He says his phone was held ransom for a hundred dollars. Take a listen. This is Ramina Dea. You tried to make me give you a hundred dollars last night. You put me through a lot of stress, man. Robert Morris is still fuming over an explosive encounter with yellow cab New Year's Day. I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but at the end of it, I was so frustrated. I've never experienced something like that in my life. Morris and his friends were at a New Year's Eve party in North Burnaby. They called the yellow cab, which arrived at 124 Wednesday morning, to pick them up and take them home to East Vancouver. They paid the fare. Moments later, Morris realized he forgot his phone in the cab. Immediately, he used his buddy's phone to contact the driver. Uh, and he said he was very busy, but if I gave him $100, he would drop my phone off. So what was your gut reaction when he asked for that? I was disgusted. I was, like, mind-blown. I, I, I honestly, I, I was like, are you joking me? Five times after 158. Phone logs show Morris called over 50 times, but no answer. When the cab driver's shift was over at 6 a.m., he gave Morris's phone to a second driver in the vicinity, which happens all the time, according to Yellow Cab. Hey, hey, can I see my phone? Morris finally made contact and arranged to retrieve his phone from driver two, who also asked for $100, claims Morris. That's not... Thank you. Vancouver Taxi Association spokesperson Carolyn Bauer said she was too busy to do an on-camera interview. But over the phone, she told us both drivers said they never asked Morris for a $100 delivery fee. Driver one was just too busy. It was New Year's. And Bauer said driver two offered to take the phone to Morris's house for a minimum charge of $20, which is company policy. But Morris declined. I, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I don't think anyone should ever do that. I don't think it's right. It's not, it's not uh, good, good customer service. Morris wants an apology, but the company stands by its drivers, contending they did nothing wrong. Romina Dea, Global News. So this is New Year's Eve into New Year's Day. You leave the phone in the car. It's busy for a cab driver. Um, I, I would say, okay, well, go back and get it the next morning. And if it is 20 bucks to bring it back to your house, I say, house, I say, pay up, buddy. Now, if this is a he, sh he said, he said story, right? So I, I'm not sure, you know, exactly where, where the truth is in this. And I'm not sure where we're going to get it or where we'll, if we'll, we'll ever hear it. 
Um, but for a hundred bucks, to be honest with you, I know it feels like you're being held, you know, hostage on that, but it's also a very, very busy night for a guy out there making his living. Uh, I have no problem with him saying, turning around and, and, uh, charge me 20 bucks to get it home. Not at all. I lost my, or not, I didn't lose. I left my Blackberry in a cab in San Francisco a few years back. It was a listener trip when I was working downstairs at 92.5 Joe FM and took a bunch of listeners to San San Francisco left my Blackberry in there and then had to try and track it down and I spent the better part of an afternoon trying to figure out where this fellow who had my phone and he was great about it but he worked at a hospital he wasn't leaving he's like come on and get it I would have loved if someone had turned around and said you know what we'll bring it back to you for 20 bucks absolutely I would have done that in a heartbeat I was talking to a friend of mine on the weekend was in New Orleans in November had just bought one of those, you know, iPhone 11s and paid some outrageous amount of money for it. Left his phone in a cab or an Uber, where it was, wherever it was in, uh, in New Orleans, and was bound and determined to get it. Did the, you know, the, the iPhone tracker somehow and found it in a, in a part of the area that you don't nec- you, you don't want to go to the cops they, they, the police they, they called the police and the police said yeah we're not even going there we're, we're not doing it for you so he ended up taking a, another vehicle and, and and showed up at the house and knocked on the door they wouldn't answer the phone they weren't answering the phone they weren't answering nothing but he says you know what <laughs> you I'm going to come get it and he did he walked into what would be considered a very 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 bad tough neighborhood to get his pricey phone back Uh, and I just thought to myself oh my goodness really because I'm not sure that that's you know worth possibly losing your life or you know getting into an altercation about but wondering if you've had a situation like this Um, have you have you lost left behind How'd you get it back? Did you have a problem? Maybe it wasn't a problem whatsoever, but maybe you have an interesting story as well, and I'd love to hear it.